Hi, it is great to be speaking and I'd like to extend a really warm welcome to you all watching online today. Today I will be continuing our series on being a church without walls and following on from Farai's talk last week about how our prejudices can hold us back from achieving all that God has for us. As a church, we are on this journey with God, that as his people, we would understand what a church without walls would look like for us in the Hub Church, and how we can become all that he wants us to be. So over these past weeks, we have been uh, looking to come to terms with what a church without walls looks like, and exploring what walls or barriers need to come down. This for us is the start of the journey as we seek God to change us and to build his church that he will continue to lead us and guide us. When I think about a church without walls two aspects come to mind and I'd like to talk this morning about how our prejudices can hinder both of these aspects. And these aspects are firstly that the church without walls has no barriers for people going out and secondly no barriers for people coming in. Now I appreciate that in the midst of lockdown we have difficulties in meeting together and travelling but this will not always be the case. This gives us an important opportunity to remind ourselves of what God has called us to. So, firstly, no barriers to going out. In Matthew 28, verses 16 to 18, Jesus spoke to his disciples and he called them to go. He said this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Here we see Jesus commissioning his disciples to go. Just think about that for a moment. The one who has all authority in heaven and on earth is with you and I. Jesus, the one who brings heaven to earth, is with us. There is no authority greater than Jesus Christ and he is with us. Many years ago, I was with a chap who was an off-duty policeman and we came across some young boys who were causing trouble and messing around. He got out his warrant card and told them to behave. And in an instant, they knew and he knew that he had the authority to say and do what he did. That warrant card demonstrated that he was backed by all the resources of the police and all the law of the land. Now, whilst we are not called 
to represent the law. We are called to represent Jesus and he promises to be with us always. We don't carry a warrant card, but we carry his presence and his life wherever we go. But coming back to Matthew 28 for a moment, Jesus didn't say this just once to his disciples. He confirmed his call to them on a number of different occasions. He knows what we like. He confirmed his calling upon us again and again. If we looked into the Gospel of Mark, Mark 16, Mark recalls Jesus saying, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. And then he goes on to list the signs that accompany those who believe. Luke recalls Jesus talking about how repentance and forgiveness would be preached in the name of Christ to all the nations. And then in his second book, the book of Acts, he elaborates and says this in Acts 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. My point is this. These are all different occasions where Jesus calls his disciples to represent him wherever he calls them to go. Jesus repeats and reinforces the calling upon them that throughout their lives there would be occasions and places where God would call them to go and speak of the good news of Jesus. And just a quick point, these occasions, Matthew 28, Mark 16, Acts 1-8, the disciples were all speaking to the risen Christ after the resurrection. How amazing is that? We too need to be reminded of the calling that is upon us. The question is this, will we as his people allow the gospel to so infuse our hearts and lives to the extent that seeking his kingdom, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness becomes our life goal and everything else fits into that. Last week, Farai spoke about the prophet Jonah, who was called to go to Nineveh, the capital city of the evil Assyrian Empire, to preach the gospel. A gospel of repentance. This was a nation that had committed atrocities, but God's heart was to give the Ninevites the opportunity to change their ways and repent. Now Jonah hears God's call and is so full of prejudice that he promptly runs in the opposite direction as fast as he can. As far as he was concerned, the Ninevites, the Assyrians, were the last people who, were, who should be given the opportunity to receive God's love. And yet, when he finally complies, as reluctant as he is, with the worst of attitudes, the Ninevites repent. 
God chooses his reluctant servant, Jonah, to bless a people that he truly uh, despised. Jonah demonstrates how prejudice can try and hold us back from achieving all that God wants. Every act of faith requires courage. Every act of faith requires us to step out and intentionally overcome any reluctance, any fear, any prejudice. It wouldn't be called faith if what God calls us to do would be easy. And in our society, prejudice is all around us. We don't like to admit it. But it is from the way our society idolises the rich and beautiful to the way it discriminates in the workplace. And even the church has to face it. We'd love to encourage more women into leaders, leadership in the church. We'd also love to have a leadership that represents the diversity that we believe God wants us to have in the church. We have a great leadership that does that, but there's always more to do. So for Jonah, he allowed his prejudice to influence his actions. How about us? Is there someone who you feel does not deserve God's love and grace? Or are there individuals or a people group that you would simply just stay clear of because they're not like you or me? How about recognising it and taking a step of righteousness to overcome it? So what about my second point, that prejudice hinders the welcome of God? In the New Testament, we see a wonderful example where one man overcomes his prejudice and that results in a wonderful act of welcome into the family of God. In the book of Acts, we see the murderer Saul is blinded when he has a vision of Christ on the Damascus road. His intention in going to Damascus is to imprison and kill the believers in Christ. Yet Jesus meets with him. What an amazing act of grace that is. And Saul comes to faith in the most amazing way. Yet it is Ananias that I'd like to focus on. The Lord calls to Ananias in another vision and calls him to go and pray for Saul. And the Lord even shows him that Saul is going to be healed. He sees the end result. And yet in the midst of this vision, we have this conversation between Jesus and Ananias, where he voices his concerns and prejudice. Acts 9 verse 13 to 16 says this, Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. 
And he has come here with the authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. You know, my paraphrase would put it like this. Really? You want me to go and speak to this man who's done such awful things to your people? This man is a nasty piece of work. And look, he's come here to arrest people like me. I could be uh, imprisoned for this. And the thing is that God, the Lord Jesus, doesn't tell Ananias off for raising his concerns. He calls him to trust and go. He tells him that Saul is his chosen instrument and he will show Saul how much he will uh, have to go through for the gospel. He calls Ananias to trust him. The same is true for you and I. God wants us to God wants to use us to achieve his purposes. Even though like Ananias we may voice our concerns, our fears, our prejudices. God has prepared acts of service for us to do. All of us may hear God speaking to us, speaking to our hearts, prompting us to go here, to speak to that person, to bless that one, to pray for another. It's the Spirit of God leading us. He calls to us, will you trust me? Will you let me lead you? Go. For me, Ananias shows great humility and courage that overcomes his prejudice against Saul to the extent that when he meets him, he says, Brother Saul. This is the power of the gospel that welcomes all, even those who may, you may have found offensive or have caused hurt and harm. When I was a student in Bristol, well over 35 years ago now, I visited a church that was just starting. It was a small church, but what spoke to my heart was literally from the moment that I walked through the door, I felt the welcome of God and the welcome of the church. As a result, I stayed in that church for 17 years until God moved Margie, myself and our family to Basingstoke and God opened the door to become part of North Church as it was then. But I have never forgotten what it was like to walk through the door and immediately feel that welcome of God, to feel such a welcome. But the opposite is true. If people don't feel that welcome when they meet us, if they get ignored or if the hospitality is there for some but not for others, then the church has allowed our bias to influence, influence the welcome of God. This is not just something for the leaders. This is something for us all. We all are part of the church that welcomes people in. 
we need to think about how we do that. To change our thinking, to repent of wrong attitudes and step out in new ways. To speak to people who are not like us. To allow the Spirit of God to lead you to new people, to welcome them in. To overcome our bias to be settled to do things the way they've always been done. Finally, my last point that I'd like to make is to encourage us that we cannot do this alone. Ananias needed the prompting of Jesus to change. It is the touch of God upon our lives that gives us the courage and the strength to overcome things and to embrace change. It is the Spirit of God that works within us, within our hearts to lead us to, in ways that previously we would not have considered. 2 Corinthians 3.18 puts it like this. And we who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. As we behold him, as we fix our gaze on Jesus, as we allow the Spirit of God into our lives to challenge and call us to change, he will give us the strength to step out in new ways and overcome our prejudice to fulfil the calling on our lives. And we will find the purpose that he has created us for, stepping in to new ways. Ultimately, he asks us to trust. Will you trust me to lead you, to guide you, to take a step of faith and overcome any prejudice or wrong thinking. Will you trust me? I'd like to finish with this. In Revelation 7, we see a picture of a great multitude. I know you've heard this before. A great multitude that no one can count from every nation, tribe, people, language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. What an amazing picture of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ in all its fullness. Each individual made in the image and likeness of God. And as we seek to be a diverse church the more diverse we are the more we welcome people in the more the nations and peoples the more we will represent ultimately what this picture of the church of god will ultimately look like so let's allow the spirit of god to help us to walk with us, 
to show us when we need to change, when our attitudes might need challenging, when we need to step out in faith in a new way or to reach out to somebody that we don't know. Allow him to help you and guide you. Thank you.